Now it's time for Inspirational Women, and my guest is Joanne Simon, a corporate executive, a lifelong nutmegger, living in various locations in the nutmeg state of Connecticut. Joanne's also an author who joins us this morning with her new book, Rose-Colored Glasses, a memoir of love, loss, and hope. And with this, Joanne opens up her life as a wife, a partner, a caregiver, and gives us an opportunity to consider the challenges of a partner diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. Let's meet Joanne, who is here to share her story. Joanne Simon, good morning. Thank you so greatly for taking time to be with us this morning. Good morning, Kate, and I'm so glad to be here today and to be with you to have this conversation. I can't even say how important, how immensely important this conversation is. And to start off with, first, thank you for actually writing this book, Rose Colored Glasses, a memoir of love, loss, and hope. It is an incredible gift for us. And the fact that uh, you documented your experiences through this last decade plus and, and really bring it to vivid life for us is uh, really a very special gift for us. Well, thank you so much. Thank you very, very much. That means a lot to me. It could not have been an easy thing, though, or as you wrote about your experiences about life in this this last portion of your life, your life with Tom, all of that, and, and, and the disease, how was it that you decided to write about it and you've documented it for us? Well, it was not easy, that's for sure. But when I started going forward in my new life alone, I realized how much we shared together and what a beautiful life we had, even through the tough times. And I realized that I didn't want to forget anything. So I just started writing just so I wouldn't forget the little details. And I knew if when time went forward, I would lose parts of it. And I didn't want, I didn't want that to happen. I wanted to just keep it to myself. And then when I started writing, it affected me tremendously. It helped me think about what actually happened because everything went went so fast and furious and I had to to just work through it. I didn't have time to think about anything or reflect on anything. So this writing gave me the opportunity to reflect and to realize what I had been through, what we had been through, and how, um, how we got through it and the positive things about that. And so the more I wrote, the more I realized that this might be able to help other people out there as well. Without question, really, let me just say that, without question, it's a big help to us, regardless of what challenge we might be enduring. I think this is just really therapeutic. Thank you. Thank you. And and it was so therapeutic to me. It it helped me work my way through uh, death and grief and, and sorrow and emptiness. And it helped me to keep those rose-colored glasses on, which I realized when we went through this journey together, uh, through the daunting death sentence, et cetera, that we kept those glasses on because we were positive that we could find a solution. We were positive that we could live life to the fullest and make every, every day count. And those glasses are still with me, and they keep me positive and keep me on a forward motion of, of a good path which is why I'm happy today to be having this conversation and be 
in such a, you know, a good place in my life. And about that piece of it, the rose-colored glasses, the hope, I resonate with you on that point. I think that is so critically important in our life. But to share with our listeners why you know that that was so important in your life, would you do that for us? Oh, certainly. Um, We live in a world that has a lot of negativity and negative thinking people and just hard things in the world and and things every day that we have to face into. And if you're negative about something, you can't live, you can't go on, you just spiral down. But if you have some positivity and you have a better outlook on things could be better and you have hope that maybe I could make this work and maybe I can conquer this, then, then there's a hope in a better way. And that opens your mind up to the possibility of anything. And that's the beauty of positive attitude and going forward in life rather than going backwards in life. And that's what Rose Color Glasses is all about. It's about having that hope, having that positivity that I can make a difference, I can make this work, and I will do it. And then, and then it happens. It, you know, it, I couldn't save my husband. I couldn't save his life, but I saved us to the end, and I made it beautiful. We made it beautiful, and that's that's the strength of being positive. And that's it. That where it could have just been doom and gloom, you created together. You created these wonderful opportunities to relive those times that were so special to you in the past. Created these new memories, these new opportunities where illness and it kind of fell back, and you could experience joy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's exactly what we did. You know, the, um, the undercurrent was always there that, you know, the doubt and, and the, the, the fear of what was happening in the background, but that was always pushed to the background that was put underneath and, and, and that's what helped us to get through and to make it through on the best way we could. Now, you'd experienced something along these lines earlier in your life because of a breast cancer diagnosis, right? That is correct, yes. I was diagnosed um, 18 years ago with breast cancer, and um, it was out of the blue. And I then had a positive attitude that this is not going to beat me, I will beat it, and made the most of it every single day. I'm very happy to report that, you know, all those years, cancer-free, and I got through it in a positive way, uh, knowing that I would survive and I would be okay. And that makes all the difference in the world. Um, you know, you see people that were diagnosed with cancer, they say, I'm not going to, I can't do this, I can't have chemo, I can't do this. And then they die because they don't want to live, they don't want to go on, and they don't, they're not positive, they're, they're negative about it. So they lose the battle right at the start, and we can't do that in our lives. We need to need to fight for our lives. We need to be positive and make the most of it. You know, um, one of the things I did when I when I was when I went through chemo is I bought five different wigs, all different colors, and I wore them every day. Different color wig. I, no one knew who was going to walk in that door the next day at work. You know, and we had fun. I had fun with it, and I got through it. And I'm a better person for it, much better person for it. And so there 
there is that experience of uh, having the challenge and rather than uh, being woeful about it, it's made you, we can see, each of us then, it makes us a better, stronger person. If we allow it, if we follow that course. If we follow that course. And and again, when, when you're hit with a life-threatening disease, it makes you think about your life, your future, how long do you have on this earth. Um, it makes you realize that you need to make the most of every single day. Smile at everybody. Be happy. Make it make it um, something that's worthwhile. If you're gonna if you're gonna fight for your life, then you you should make it worthwhile. And and that's that's the lesson learned from from that. And here with Tom, that journey was quite different because this the diseases and and that was part of the challenge was being able to figure out what are we actually dealing with and that's so frightening and and despite that though the two of you particularly you in the driver's seat were really pushing forward and doing the research and making the contacts yes yes and which was was paramount to to us being able to wake up every day and, and have that hope and hold on to that, that, that hope that we could find a solution. And the controversy of Lyme disease and ALS and central nervous system diseases, there is many of them out there, uh, goes on, that lives on. You know, there's, there's a very little known fact that I found that most ALS diagnosed patients have had Lyme disease prior. And that says a lot. That says a lot because what happens is your central nervous system is attacked and then it can be a catalyst to allow something like ALS to take over. It's daunting and it is still a mystery, an ongoing mystery. And that doesn't help us to feel any kind of uh, power over it for sure. But the thing is... um, I would imagine Lyme disease falls into us. ALS, for sure, there isn't a lot of research being done, and this gets so infuriating because the number of people affected isn't large enough. That is cor- that is true. That is very true, and it's been very small amount of research um, in the past that has changed significantly with the advent of the Ice Bucket Challenge, which was now, I think it's six years ago, which raised, uh, don't, don't, I'm not sure my numbers, I don't have them directly in front of me, but it was like $17 million and and counting. And so that research money helped significantly and made some advances and, and continues to make advances because conti- uh, people now who didn't even know what ALS was, they hear they know that from the Ice Bucket Challenge because it, it just went around the world. And now there's a hot pepper challenge to go with that. In, I, I recently wrote an article, Some Like It Hot, Some Like It Cold, and to talk about the differences of these challenges and how we should all do something to raise funds to, for research to find a cure for ALS. So and, on that point, though, Joanne, is there a hot pepper challenge going on? Yes, and that's the new thing. It started actually in Westport, Connecticut. I'm here in Danbury, Connecticut. And uh, it was a family at Christmas time. Their mom had been diagnosed with ALS. And this was just in 2017, uh, Christmas. They decided to do something to try to raise money. So they all ate hot peppers. And then they had milk chasers. 
and um, they if you if you just Google ALS hot pepper challenge, you will it's on there the whole family, and then there's ALS TDI, which is a research center in Cambridge, Massachusetts. They're doing wonderful work on that cancer front. I'm sorry, not cancer, ALS front uh, research. And so you eat the hot pepper, you challenge three more people, and make a donation to ALS. Um, The mom's preference for donations was to ALS TDI, um, but there's also the ALS um, association that can be donated to as well. So Um, sometimes it's on our shoulders to... push on this yes yes and push on it and to um start the challenge and and challenge three of your friends or family and have them challenge it and it's a ripple effect it's that that ripple effect that keep it going and make it happen um and it's a fabulous thing to do and it's a good feeling to do that take that challenge and do something that can help someone and that can hopefully save a life someday in Tom's case, it kept going back and forth. Is it Lyme disease? Is it ALS? But the two are so intertwined, or the symptoms are yes. so similar. It's difficult to tell, isn't it? It is very difficult because the ALS testing is a subjective testing. There is testing that you do. There's no blood work. You know, uh, Lyme disease, you, have, you do a blood test, and you can have false positives, false negatives. You can have all of that, but, but it reads all of the different uh, parts of your blood and, and can give you a pretty good reading uh, for Lyme disease. Where on the other flip side of the coin, ALS is a totally subjective test. It's, it's reading um, your nerve centers and, and how they're reading, and then they come up with a conclusion. Uh, but it's, in my opinion, it's not definitive. It's not uh, that. And then once you have that conclusion, that's it. I mean, you can. There is one drug on the market that might extend your life another two to three months. That's it. That's it. That's all they have. That's that's all we, everyone can do. So, the other statement with ALS is there's tons of work. There's tons of activities going on, testing things that they're trying to do. But ALS is not one disease. There's all different types. Like ALS can start from the top down, called bulbar. B-U-L-B-A-R fashion. So it starts, uh, in Tom's case, he started with a slur. Or it can be from the bottom up. Your legs can start, your nerves stop working on your legs, and then you can't walk. And then it goes up your body. So it either goes top down or bottom up. And so the autoimmune system type of ALS is what Tom had. That's some of the testing that he had was said it was definitely a autoimmune type, which goes to Lyme disease. Lyme disease is all about autoimmune. So the two are hand in hand in central nervous system diseases where it goes and attacks your nervous system. And so that's why there's this huge mystery of it. And they can be definitive. The, the doctors on the ALS side say, no, 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 it's not Lyme disease. But at the same time, the Lyme disease people say, mm, it's not necessarily ALS. It could be this. It could be that. It could be a lot of things. And we went through so much testing and ruled out this and celebrated that it might be that. Um, but in the end, it was ALS. Um, and we didn't accept that until the end. And yet, we couldn't. And yet it did 
actually begin with a tick bite. Is that not so? That is correct. Right. And started with a tick bite. And that's an important thing for us to consider. Uh, I think as a kid, I always thought, oh, I'm kind of scared of ticks. But then it, I thought you go into the woods and, you know, you just have to be careful. I'm not walking in the woods, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm okay. But that wasn't the case. You guys were not in the woods. You were at the beach. We were at the beach. And and my research showed it was a, um, a tick, a certain type of tick that, a lone star tick that, Gave him started with ehrlichiosis, not necessarily Lyme disease. That was the beginning, ehrlichiosis, which is a form of Lyme disease, although they say it's not technically, and that you won't get Lyme disease from it, but that's what happened with Tom. And they are prominent on Block Island in different parts of the country, not necessarily Texas. <laughs> you would think the Lone Star would be in Texas, but it's not. Um, the tick population and all there's so many different types of ticks now and, and, and there's more and more and more. They're all over the planet now. They they aren't they aren't relegated to the northeast or Lyme, Connecticut. They're everywhere. They're they're on both coasts, they're in the middle, they're in Europe, they're everywhere. And so the important lesson here is to protect yourself from ticks every single day. You know, there's um good bug sprays out there. There's clothing that is tick repellent if you're out in the garden or the woods or anything that you could get. But it's, it's, it's paramount that you protect you, your animals, your family, your children, do tick checks every day during the season that they're out there and prevent it. And, and that's just the most best, the best thing that anyone can do is prevent getting bit by a tick. And you, Typically, it would be apparent because isn't there, uh, it's obvious on your skin that there's a red circle? That is one of the uh, ways of diagnosis, but that's not always true. Tom did not have a red circle right. on, his, on his body. There's a lot of uh, Lyme disease that does not show that way. And it, and it has to do with the type of tick that might bite you. Um, and it could be that you don't even notice it, you know. Um, but you can have a bull's the bullseye circle, and that's that's definitive. That's yes, I have Lyme disease, and the simple you know first course is an antibiotic, and normally if people take that right away, that's it. It's done, and it doesn't continue. But I will tell you that once you have Lyme disease, that stays in your system. It doesn't. It, you never lose that in your system. It's always there. It can be, um, it could never come, you know, come up again, but it's, it, it is there. So prevention is, is the most important thing that anyone can do. So the bug sprays, uh, the clothing, and if we've been out in the woods for sure, but just, I guess, out in nature, we just have to check ourselves. And typically we might be aware that we were bitten but again, in Tom's case, he had no sense of that having happened. No, no sense whatsoever. Uh, you can walk out your front door, depending on where you're living, and you, ticks can be there. Um, you can have your property sprayed on a like a schedule to prevent ticks from being there. So that's something else that can be done. There's there's a lot of remedies out there on the market that are helpful to uh, be strong on prevention no matter where you live and and how you live your life. 
recently we had a doctor from the Mayo Clinic with us on this program, and uh, that was one of the areas that he touched upon, that in the summertime, in an emergency kit, one should always pack a pair of tweezers because mm-hmm. of just this thing, a tick bite, and that you have to be really careful to extract the whole bug. So it didn't occur to me at that time to ask, but now with you, Joanne, does the bug, do you know that it burrows right into the body, or is it just a bite? No, it burrows in. So what happens is it um, it's not just a bite. It'll latch on, and then it will burrow, and what happens is it will take out your blood, out of your system, and and when that happens, the disease, so to speak, will get into your blood system, and that's how it happens. So, and typically, what'll happen is it will engorge, and then it will drop off. When it gets to a certain point, it'll drop off. So you would think that it's easy to detect that you would know that something is there. Um, in a lot of cases, that is true, but in some cases, it's not. Um, so just beware of, of, of that, that that's how it actually works. And if you do have it, because it's, it, it like locks right in, you have, as, as the doctor said, you have to extract everything, um, out of it. Sometimes there's different methods. I've heard that if you apply like a match to it, it will back right out because of the heat and it'll come right out. You know, just, it's really yucky. <laughs> yes. To say a weird word. <laughs> no, that's very appropriate. It, it describes the situation completely. Uh, tweezers yeah. sounds like a good thing. Uh, lighting a match feels a little frightening, but you know, yeah. that just might be the key. Depends on, on who you are and what's at hand, I suppose. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yes. Well, you certainly, in rose-colored glasses, bring our awareness to this, these debilitating diseases and just uh, how they turn our lives, turn your lives upside mm-hmm. down and uh, have devastating consequences. I mean, people re- do recover from Lyme disease, but not ALS, do they? No, they don't recover from ALS. There's no cure and there's it's a debilitating disease that continues and it can go very quickly or it can go in slow motion. Um, in Tom's case, it was from start to finish. It was three years. And that's fast, isn't it? It's very fast. Yes. 10 years would probably feel fast, but that was like this real blip. And he he started to change uh, so quickly, losing the weight, Mm -hmm. the slurred speech, as you mentioned. Yes. And the thing with rose-colored glasses, a memoir of love, loss, and hope, is that, yes, there's this huge challenge that is really uh, debilitating, it's painful, and yet the way that you write, Joanne, to share your love story, your experiences, it doesn't bog us down. It's not depressing at all. It's informative and also, I feel, uplifting. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Well, thank you, because this had to be a labor of love, and understandably, you wanted to hold these memories close at hand. But for us to experience that, I can see that in so many ways, this, I'm going to say journal, but this memoir uh, really has so much in it that 
can be of such value regardless of what circumstances we're going through. I think that you you give us a lot of ways to, uh, a lot of steps, a lot of little anecdotes as to what we might do that will help us as well. I'm so glad you 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 feel that out of what I've written. And, and I my objective was to help myself, but it's also to help others out there to work through challenges of life. And doesn't that happen? Then we get kind of philosophical by doing this to help ourselves. It does help others. And then it's just this endless, infinite circle that keeps on going and growing. Yes. Yes, in a positive way, which is yes. wonderful. Yes, and, and that has to be noted. The circle grows in a very positive way. And as as it's grown, um, it's also brought you comfort because you've been open to messages from Tom. Yes, very open. And they're beautiful, wonderful messages that I still receive every single day. Um, I recall in the book when you talk about being at the beach and the stones and the the way that the, the tide came in. Would you share that with us? Oh, yes, of course. Um, going out to Block Island, which is our beloved Block Island, after the first time after Tom had passed. Kate, are you talking about the first story or the last story about the... I was thinking of the first one. Okay, great. So I was in a reflective mode and still in my grief. And I walked down our beach that we always walk together, remembering all the wonderful times we had there. And as I did, I sat and reflected and thought about the times we had there. And then walking back, the tide had come in. I had fallen on the rocks and I'm laughing out loud because the first time I think I'd laughed in a long time because of how silly it was. And then I walked and saw this gorgeous stone that, the water came up and every time it receded, it reflected, it, it created a beautiful heart. It was just an unending heart of water and stone and love. And it just stopped me in my tracks. And I knew that was Tom talking to me, telling me how much he loved me. And it was, un, it was unbelievable. It was like nothing you've ever seen before. And I couldn't take a picture of it. I have it in my memory forever and always will, but it was a message from him that it's okay, I'm with you, I'm right here at this beach with you. Just beautiful. Just Yes, and for us, I feel it's a reminder, or at least then the awareness, like pay attention. There are these simple signs around us if we just take time to notice. They are there. Yes, you have to be open to them. You have to be open to the idea that your loved ones are still with you and they can talk to you in many different ways. And if you're open to that, you will receive those messages. There's See, there's just so much that we have to be grateful for in this wonderful book, Rose-Colored Glasses. Joanne Simon, you've done us such a great service by being so open yourself and sharing these stories. So the book, of course, is readily available at all of our favorite book sources and your website as well, correct? Yes, yes. And uh, anywhere books are sold, you can you can purchase it. If you if your bookstore doesn't have it, they can certainly order it. Um, Amazon as well. It's it's on Amazon Kindle as well as print book, 
And uh, if you go on my website, which is uh, www.joann-simon.com, uh, you'll see links there for the book. You'll also see a page of pictures of Tom and I, and there's a, a voice clip of Tom talking, have just regular conversations, kind of interesting and fun. Um, and he was studying voiceovers. He was doing voiceovers before this all, right before this started. So it, it's a fun thing to go and listen to that as well and see some pictures of us. So very many gifts of all sorts. You'll find the one that uh, meets your needs at a given time is what I feel, the way books often appear in our hands with the right messages at the right time. And Joanne Simon, I think you are a marvel. You are obviously a very strong and determined woman, a great author. And I appreciate that you have taken this much time with us this morning to share this part of your life. Thank you. It's my pleasure, and I appreciate all the wonderful compliments, Kate, and I just loved having this conversation with you and talking through it, and you are appreciated as well. Well, thank you. And with that, we are at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Joanne Simon and Sunday Morning Magazine with Professor Martha S. Jones. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your having shared this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast. It's on our Warm 1069 webpage. Click on the On Air tab, then Sunday mornings, and then look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of deep connections with each other, taking time to listen with your heart, have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9, the station to pick you up and make you feel good. Good morning.